Welcome back for a Week 12 recap of a post-Thanksgiving slate. Headlined by the marquee game, Eagles-Bills going to OT. Running backs, we had five with multi-touchdown games. A little quiet day at wide receiver. Tight ends, they were led by Tyler Higby and Pat Fryermuth. Quite, quite the day. Let's break it all down right now. Welcome back to the DraftKings Football Show, hosted in partnership with our friends at DraftKings. I'm your host, Justin Herzig, and we are back to recap some football. All right, as each additional week goes by, we get a little more interesting as we get closer to those best ball playoffs. This was the anti-penultimate week of the regular season, meaning uh, third to the last week of the regular season. Teams chasing, running out of time. I was, you know... <laughs> More than ever, as we get this close, I start looking at which teams are on third place, which teams are barely in. It gets interesting. And yeah, this week, I mean, hey, a lot of these big games out of running back, if you uh, had the elite QBs, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts obviously had huge ones. If you were fortunate enough to be drafting Tyron Williams, you loved that today. Pretty happy with where I stand overall. And uh, I mean, hey, this next week's going to be a tough one. we got six teams on by, so Ravens, Bills, Bears, Raiders, Vikings, Giants, a lot of solid players among there. And then the final week, week 14, just two teams on by. I believe that is the Cardinals and Commanders. So hopefully people are doing well. You are getting close to those cut, like getting close to those advanced lines, hanging in there, trying to get that top two. Uh, but, you know, enough about best ball. Let's get to this week's cash game recap. All right. My cash team scored 160.56. I won 90% of my head-to-heads. No swaps necessary here. Uh, started off pretty strong. Finished where I needed to. Kind of a just nice, easy, pretty, pretty content kind of a day. And so my team, QB, Trevor Lawrence. Running backs for Jonathan Taylor, Rashad White, and Ramondre Stevenson. Wide receivers, Tank Dell, Michael Pittman, and Justin Watson. Tight end, Trey McBride, and DST were the Patriots. Let's break them all down. Starting off at QB. I think you could have probably played, you know, teams with Hurts, Josh Allen, CJ Stroud, Trevor Lawrence, and all were honestly viable. For me personally, I was only really considering between Hurts and Lawrence. Hurts at 8,300, Trevor Lawrence at 6,400. Jalen's obviously an absolute beast this year. And even in a game that you know, the weather was ugly, he'll he put up less than 100 passing yards in the first half. Still ended the day with 36.5 fantasy points, two rushing touchdowns. But for me, the big difference was he was $1,900 more than Trevor Lawrence. And I mean, when I'm getting those savings, plus like Lawrence playing indoors, it's likely a shootout against the Texans. We can expect C.J. Stroud to be able to kind of keep pushing the ball. And so it's not just going to be a, hey, Trevor Lawrence hands it off kind of ball, you know, possession control. And yeah, because Lawrence has had some poor performances this year, but he has things going for him this week that, you know, he hasn't really had that much of. And first one being all of his weapons healthy. You've got, you know, Zay Jones, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, ETN. Like, that's a really strong supporting cast that we haven't been seeing all together that much. And then the other, which I think is actually a little more important, is 
an opposing QB and CJ Stroud, who's going to play up in pace. He's going to push the scoring. We've seen these games of Stroud throwing 300 plus 400 plus 500 plus yards. And when the QB on the other side of the field is doing that, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to have to throw as well. And so most importantly, that plus the $1,900 allowed me to spend up where I wanted elsewhere. And when we get to the wide receiver position, I can kind of explain, you know, why this, uh, why this $1,900 was important enough for me. So with how the slate ended, Hertz and Allen, I mean, yeah, went for 36 and a half and then 43.66 points respectively. This could have been like a crushing decision fading the elite guys, but Travis, you know, Trevor Lawrence and CJ Stroud had that throwing shootout, even though the score, like the final touchdowns didn't really show up for it. There was still a lot of kind of gunslinging between the two. And both came in at 28.56 for Trevor Lawrence, 33.86 for C.J. Stroud. And more than two-thirds of the field chose one of these four QBs that I referenced. And I think we're you know, overall, all of them are happy with the result. It's what you do with the rest of you know the lineup around it. Um, outside of those four QBs, you then had like the Gardner and the Baker going against each other. But those were all sub-10% ownership. So I've got Trevor Lawrence. I've got $1,900 in my bag to uh, compare it to going against the Jalen Hurts teams. Let's see how I was able to use it. So moving on to running back, the three most common RBs in the slate were Jonathan Taylor, Rashad White, and Isaiah Pacheco. All three of these came in around that 34 to 37% ownership, and they were the right blend of a roll plus the expected volume and being a fairly reasonable price. And I personally would have been happy with playing all three of them, any of the three, but I didn't have enough money to get up to all three. So I had to pick one to fade. And other than Jonathan Taylor, I really wasn't making the running back position a priority because there were kind of a quite a few guys around that, right around that 6,000 mark that I did like. So starting off with JT, JT, yes, he was the most expensive by about like, you know, six, seven, 800, depending on who you're comparing to. But there was just no chance I was fading him. The last two weeks, he broke away from Zach Moss. And even though it's a tough matchup versus Tampa, that backfield role has been so valuable. And obviously, John, you know, Diller has probably some of the best running back talent in the game. If we do think that JT does have the backfield more to himself, as we saw the past two weeks, this is an absolute smash spot. We can get into results based because, you know, it turns out Zach Moss actually played a lot more than we expected. He had multiple drives to himself. Jonathan Taylor, maybe you can say he got a little lucky by getting two touchdowns. Still have a pretty good game on the ground, but I was never going to not play the Jonathan Taylor that we've seen over the past two weeks. Then I had to choose between Rashad White and Isaiah Pacheco. Wasn't really concerned too much with that White injury as the more I read about it, the more I kind of heard. It didn't sound like something that either he'd re-aggravate it or that it would lead to less volume. And so now I'm thinking through like, okay, I've got this Rashad White valuable role that we've seen pretty consistently, or I can, you know, compare it to Isaiah Pacheco. Pacheco, he's got the great matchup, but he's often a bit more TD dependent given his lack of receiving usage. Now, Rashad White has a 14% target share on the year. We expect him to be using the air. We expect Baker to be throwing in this kind of, hey, you know, high scoring pass funnel with Gardner Minshew throwing against Tampa aspect. Um, and so I just kept going back and forth. But for me, it was just the Rashad White and that receiving game usage playing on DraftKings with PPR. That felt more valuable to me. 
Maybe, possibly. I was a bit stubborn on this. And as I think through where White over Pacheco, like, yes, even if I ignore the injury aspect, one thing with choosing Rashad White over Pacheco is Rashad White plays in the early games. I'm now going to be playing, and when we get to the other running back, three running backs in the early slate. So I'm losing swap flexibility in the flex spot later on. And if I would have gone Isaiah Pacheco, that would have given me, hey, the option. If I do fall behind early on, I'm now getting more than just a, you know, we'll get to a cheap wide receiver and a very popular tight end as my flex, as my swap options. Throwing in Pacheco gives him a lot more flexibility. Thankfully, I didn't need that swap, but I, you know, I probably should have at least used that more as a tiebreaker between Pacheco and White. It is what it is. Um, Okay. In the flex spot. So the third one. So we went with the JT. I went with Rashad White. And that third spot, if I had the money to go to Pacheco, I would have. But I was probably missing it out by around like $400 or so. And so in the flex spot, my final decision was between Christian Kirk and Ramondre Stevenson at about the same price. But with Zay Jones, you know, projections wise, they both looked pretty good from a projection standpoint. We know that Christian Kirk Probably has, I I think Christian Kirk probably actually has higher upside than Ramondre as well, just given the nature of that game and shootout potential. The same reasons why I like Trevor Lawrence. We can like Christian Kirk. But we've also seen kind of Christian Kirk with, hey, there's some games that he kind of fades away. And especially when you've got Zay Jones back, you've got Evan Ingram still, you've got Calvin Ridley still. Maybe this just wasn't as strong of a spot for Christian Kirk as the projections lead me to believe. And Ramondre's role has been steadily increasing from the receiving work the second half of this season. You know, he had a couple di- a couple single-digit target shares in the first half, but more recently he's been consistently a, whether it's a little dump-off option, whether it's design plays, and I didn't really care whether it was going to be Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. I still expected Ramondre to have a pretty solid role, both as a runner and in that receiving game. And so that's where, from a cash game standpoint, I felt that the Ramondre just was a more solid play than going with the kind of a little more uh, variability, very uh, uh, a little more volatility in the Christian Kirk side of things. Now, this play was a bit off the board for me. I think it might be the first New England Patriot offensive player I have played this year in cash. Um, and you know, when you look at the ownership, only 14% of people also played him, so not the most surprising, but my other two running backs, JT and Rashad White, were the two highest-owned running backs at 34% and 37%. Other running backs that people were considering, so 27% of people played Derrick Henry. It was a very favorable matchup against the Panthers, but sheesh, I, that that just scares me from a cash perspective. He's just not catching we, not many passes. We've seen him game-scripted out. Yes, it was a great matchup, and hey, it worked out. People who played him, he fell into the end zone twice. But oof, that's up. That feels like a scary one to me. And then the people who are the happiest are the ones, hey, 16% of people played Kyron Williams, got his 41.4 points. And especially because, I mean, I think a lot of people who played that Kyron probably were actually late swaps onto him, or maybe they were starting with Pacheco in a running back or in the flex spot. And they're like, you know what? I'm playing. I'm behind. I saw what Trevor Lawrence did. I maybe took a bad score from another wide receiver or something. And so they moved over to Kyron and oof, they could not have been happier. Right, let's move on to wide receivers. Right, wide receivers. I alluded a little to this earlier, but 
it was a priority, in my opinion, to really get up to both Tank Dell and Michael Pittman. These were two of the best wide receivers on the slate. And if you kind of think, if you if you listen to what people were talking about on Twitter or podcasts or such, a lot of it was a decision of who do I go with between Tank Dell and Michael Pittman? Because there's so many pluses and positives on both of them. And for me, I was like, I don't want to. I want to actually see if I can play both of them and the ability because I can drop down to Trevor Lawrence and playing Justin Watson at Stone Min 3000. It allowed me to build the rest of my lineup very strong and still get both these wide receivers. From the tank side of thing, tanks rolls unreal right now. Plus the, I mean, it's the role is unreal and the efficiency of CJ Stroud is just fantastic. The two together is just such a great kind of fantasy combo. Tank is coming off 31% target share over the last three games. He's in the dome at home and a likely shootout versus the Jags. Just all these things that we love. Pittman similarly has had an insane role with Gardner Minshew. He's got a 38% target share over the last three games. And now he's getting that pass funnel Buccaneers defense. Both of these were just, you know, plays we should be salivating over and understanding that, hey, just because they're about the same price doesn't mean we should only pick one, but rather maybe we can get creative to figure out how you can kind of plug them both in. Majority of people played one of those two wide receivers. Um, and so if we look at the ownership wise, Tank Dell was the more favorite. He got played by 51%. Pittman then a little lower at 1% and Justin Watson at 30%. And yeah, so Justin Watson, that leads to my third wide receiver, was he a safe play? You know, no, definitely not a safe play. Yes, he was hot recently, but could very easily have had a zero catch, zero target day. Was he likely to bust? Yeah, I don't know. It was possible. But when I think about a min price wide receiver, I like to honestly think about what is the positive scenario here that can play out? Because at the end of the day, whether you have a 3K or 4K wide receiver, like you always have that kind of bust potential. I want to make sure that if I'm accepting this bus potential of a low price wide receiver, that he also has scenarios of upside that can give me just a major, major leg on the field. And so for me, the way that I kind of talk myself into it is, hey, the two highest target shares that any Chiefs wide receiver has had this year are Justin Watson in week nine and Justin Watson in week 11, the Chiefs past two games. And now, is there even a decent chance that Watson can continue this momentum? And we're getting that at $3,000, obviously attached to Patrick Mahomes and a pretty fav- you know, a easy matchup against the Raiders, obviously a risk of maybe they score too early and he's not involved. But overall, I mean, hey, I can get everything else I want in this lineup, the strong pieces, and I see a world that there's upside and like legitimate feasibility for Justin Watson. Yes, please. I'm happy with it. That's where my kind of process went. And as I said, the field mostly agreed on these wide receivers, Dell, Pittman, Watson, top three owned. After that, you've got Christian Kirk at 29%, Josh Downs at 25%. And with those two, a lot of the people who didn't want to play Watson, they moved up to Josh Downs, cost a little more, but you're getting obviously a better role. Um, you're having more confidence in the play, a better talent, but it definitely cost you. And so that's where you had to make a decision of if I'm doing that, you're probably then taking a Michael Pittman and dropping it down to Christian Kirk. And that's the, the give and take, the pull that was necessary there. 
I personally felt that, you know what, Justin Watson has a level of upside that I know I'm worth paying down for that 3000. And sure enough, he ended up, uh, he had a touchdown. So that's the good news. The bad news is he did it on one target, similar to Rondell Moore last week, similar to uh, Trenton Irwin with the Joe Burrow week where he also had one touchdown on one target. So maybe we've gotten a little lucky with these min-priced wide receivers, but from a process-wide, I still feel good about because of what I was able to get with the rest of my life. All right, tight end. Not going to surprise you if you've been listening to these. Trey McBride continues to have one of the most valuable roles in all of fantasy, definitely at the tight end position. Since Zach Ertz went down, McBride has had a 31% target share. That's a four-week sample. And even his relatively bad games where he doesn't get in the end zone, like that's what we saw today. He still had seven receptions for 60 yards on nine targets. He needs to be priced regularly in the high, probably 5,000s before we consider not playing him. And so today, I top of my head, I think it was like 4,800, um, but in that, in that high 4,000s, and it was an easy, easy click. And 46% of the field agreed they played him this week. And they, honestly, that's about 54% too few. Um, should have just been an easy lock button for cash. Other tight ends that people played were Kincaid, 17% was actually more expensive than Trey McBride. David Njoku, I think you saved around five, $600 or something. He was at 14%. Evan Ingram at 12.5%. Um, yeah, not, not much more else to say there was fun to see Pat Fryermuth and Tyler Higby have those big days as well, but neither of them were really ever in consideration for cash. Uh, and on to the final position of DST. I was honestly quite surprised to see how many more people paid $100 less to get the Chiefs than the, uh, the Chiefs versus the Raiders instead of the Patriots versus the Giants. For me, when I was looking at each position, going over this slate, the Patriots were one of the easiest choices, and I pretty much just locked them in. Maybe people don't realize it. Maybe it was, hey, they're concerned because it's the Patriots. The Patriots look great. But, like, this Giants team is giving up so many free points to opposing DSTs through sacks. I mean, the last three games going into this week, they gave up eight sacks to the Raiders, five to the Cowboys, nine to the Commanders. I cannot remember a team that has given up as many sacks as what we're seeing from the combination of this Giants offensive line is atrocious. And then you have Tommy DeVito, who is holding the ball way too long and is just more than happy to take sacks because he's just seeing ghosts. He's not reacting quick enough, doesn't want to throw interceptions, whatever it is. But this combo is just absolutely free money for opposing DSTs in the sack department. 42% of people, absolutely shocking to me, but I know it, I'm sure it's lineup construction. I'm sure from optimizers, like it looked good. But yeah, 42% of people played the Chiefs, saved that $100, ended up getting their two fantasy points. And uh, the next was our Patriots, 16% played. They got six sacks, 12 fantasy points. And then after that was, hey, if you didn't want to spend on DST, you just went all the way down. Cheapest option was the Texans. And, you know, Texans in that shootout versus the Jags. And they also ended with two fantasy points. I'll take a look at the schedule upcoming, but it's unless they're going to start pricing the opponent against the Giants to be one of the higher, more expensive um, teams. We should just keep, keep, keep continuing to play whoever the DST is against the Giants. And from what I've seen with Giant with DST pricing, 
is they're more impacting. It's more impacted by the actual DST team and what their recent success is than the opponent matchup and getting that boost that they should be from a price wise when playing the Giants. All right. That was my cash lineup. As you, as I've kind of said through, started off pretty strong across the board. So I never really considered any swaps. I think in hindsight, I did make a mistake. I should have been played Pacheco over White, even if I'm not confident in the actual 1v1, but just for that additional flexibility to give myself that extra swap flex had I needed it. Thankfully, I didn't. So recap, team scored 160.56, won 90% of my head-to-heads, everything else. And now... Let's look forward to the Monday night football game. We got the Bears and the Vikings. I've been riding a bit of a hot streak with my showdown lineups. Last week, I was like, hey, guy I really like is Justin Watson. We saw what he did the week before with the 19%. He ends up coming in strong, leads the Chiefs in targets. Wasn't able to have the huge game, but still had a pretty solid game. And at the cheap price, hopefully, if you used him, you definitely uh, reaped the benefits. So for this night, for this week's game, we got Vikings are three point favorites at home. I'm not expecting Justin Jefferson to play in this game, giving him one more week to rest. Plus he gets the bye week after that. So hopefully he comes back healthy in week 14 and is there, you know, ready to help you in your fantasy playoffs. That gives us a lot of options though, on the Viking side that I do like, but if we're going to be going for, hey, who is the value? Who is the player that I'm kind of most bullish on? That's maybe a little under the radar, at least going to be our cost saver for this week. For me, it's Brandon Powell. He, let's see, he's coming off back-to-back games of double-digit target percentages, 16% and 14%. He's also running around on 78% and 76% of Dobbs dropbacks. He's a regular-time player for this Minnesota Vikings offense that is missing Justin Jefferson. And we know that this team, their natural is to pass. And Dobbs has definitely looked competent out there. So I like the power play. He's only $2,000, which from a showdown stance is a fantastic value for someone who's getting double-digit targets. So when we're building lineups, I'll give a couple ideas. But Powell is definitely the one that I want in there to save me some, to give me some cost savings. From the running side for the Vikings, we're starting to see, hey, Ty Chandler increased his role with Cam Akers out. But he was also substantially overplayed last week. So whether it's just excitement for something in that in that rushing game besides Alexander Madison, maybe it's a little the dynasty bros, or maybe it's the hey, just uh, you know, little best ball bags, but whatever it is, he got overplayed last week. He ended up having one of his like nut outcomes and his price actually went down. So I think that is going to be a very popular play as people kind of continue to chase that steam as the price also goes down and guess you could play Madison, but overall, I'm probably just not that excited about either of the Minnesota RBs. But if I was, it'd be Ma- I'd play Madison over Chandler. The way I'll most likely be playing this game, though, is going with four or five Chicago Bears. We've seen solid data on st- overstacking with a four or five on the team who is an underdog, and especially in a one where hey, we know that the tail outcomes for the Bears in a positive variant standpoint are huge, huge games for Justin Fields. You've got the explosive nature of DJ Moore. We know Cole Komet has had multiple TD games in the past. So for me, I'm thinking, let me play four or five Chicago Bears, and then I'll go one or two probably bring back pass catchers from the Vikings. For the Bears, kind of digging further, so just a heads up, Deonta Foreman, he is not playing today, so this really brings Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson into play. Their prices are 
about, you know, seem pretty efficiently priced. So I'm not saying one's a substantially better play than the other. I think if I am going with like a five Chicago Bears team or four or five Chicago Bears, I do like the Herbert side of things where if they get ahead, I think that's where kind of Khalil has a bit more of that role. Um, so when I'm building lineups, I think I probably say, hey, I'm going to start with like a Fields and DJ Moore stack. I'm going to grab a Brandon Powell on the opposite side for those cost savings, as well as being one of my maybe only Vikings or at least one of my two Vikings, and then really start building creatively from there. All right. That is all for today. Best of luck to all of you in your Monday Night Football action and anything else you have going on in your home leagues and your best ball and everything else. Hopefully, I see some of you at the top of the leaderboards this uh, this week. All right, as we get close to the best ball players, one other shout out. If you have any questions, please reply to. I'll probably have a podcast promo tweet out on Monday. If you have any questions for best ball or anything else that you want answered on this podcast, Put it in the replies there. I'll try to get to them over the next couple weeks. Everyone have a great week. Can't wait to talk to you all soon. Later.